I'll tell you something I dislike. I dislike when somebody gets their sports and they pull their sports into church. I hate when they when they, they come into church after a big game and they've got their ball cap on or they got a pin on of their team and they just go out of their way to tell you, you know, about their stuff and their team. And, and I, it just really, really drives me crazy. It irks me. It really does, you know, when people would do that and, and just so callously, you know, flaunt their team. That's just tacky. I mean, it's tacky. It's just tacky, okay? So now that, I, now that, I've, now that I've said that, for those in the back that can't tell, I've got a Georgia tie on, okay? I don't think I've ever worn this Georgia tie, but I, I, I wouldn't do this. I, I never do this when we beat Florida, and it's not that we beat Florida a lot. So, But when we do, I, don't, I, don't, I like to not make a big deal of it because I, I, I pull for – I don't. No, hey, 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 y- y- y'all have to admit, there are times I could have got up here and said a lot of things. And I don't say anything because that's even worse. Because, see, y'all are now going, oh, you do. And you think about it. I never said a word about Georgia beating Florida for like two out of three years. I didn't say a word until now. Uh, and, then, and, then, and then last year, y'all put a whooping on us. So I kept my mouth shut for a whole year. So now it's time to talk again. But I do. I enjoy. This is my favorite time of the year. First of September to, through the end of the year. I love it. I love I love the, 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 the leaves when the leaves turn and the, and the air gets cool outside. I, wait, no, that's Indiana. That was Indiana. I, I love the football. That's what I love. So I always, I'm watching a football game going, oh, it'll be cool outside. And you walk out and it's 95 degrees hits you and it's crazy. So, uh, but this is, this is my favorite time of the year. I absolutely love it. And college football is one of the few things left in the sports realm that I can enjoy and uh, they're ruining that quickly, so I'm enjoying it while I still can because it's, it's, uh, it's getting messed up as well. But uh, anyway, all that fun to say Georgia won last night and, uh, and Florida won last night and uh, Kentucky won yesterday. So I think everybody here is happy today, right? Unless you're a Miami fan. You're not real happy, okay? But that's okay. You played Alabama. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to start a new series this morning. The series is titled, When God Asks Us Why. We ask, we ask God why all the time. We ask God these questions about why, 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 why this, why that, why is this happening, and that kind of thing. And, uh, but we're going to look at this series over the next, I don't know how far it's going to go. We'll see right now. I've got three or four messages I know in this series. The questions, when God asks us why. And uh, we're going to be looking primarily at, at, at three three pieces of a passage. You've got it there in the notes, Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. And, uh, but I'm going to start with this. Psalm 50 verse 21 says this. It says, these things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you. Now, John Phillips, in his commentary on this, on this psalm right here, he says that this is the worst kind of belief, the belief that God is like us. Isn't that, isn't that a thought? We think God's like us. We project on him. And throughout history, the silence of God has been misinterpreted. People have, have, have taken the silence of God as, as though it's an endorsement on maybe what they're doing. Today, people guilty of downright wickedness interpret the silence of God as approval. And yet they, they're, they're, they're totally ignoring the word of God because these are issues that many times God is not silent on. He has given us everything we need in the word of God. But they ignore that. Many today are so degraded and degenerate in their concept of God that, that, that they think him to be simply a reflection of themselves. 
The ancient Greeks did this. We saw this with them where, where they, they peopled Mount Olympus with gods made in the image and likeness of men. They projected into infinity their own fallen natures and invented gods who were just larger additions of themselves. It's amazing because the gods had the same problems we have, the same sins that we have, the same inadequacies we had. They were just bigger, infinite gods. Is what they, it was just a created being. It's interesting to me that God created man in his own image, and then we, man, have turned around and we create gods in our image. Isn't that crazy? That's what we want to do. Our culture is doing this today, and they're creating false gods and idols. And many of these gods are simply themselves or ourselves. That's what we're doing. And, and so there's a, there's a picture. I've probably shared this before, but there's, a, there's this meme I saw, and I, I, I want to show this right here. It says, if your God is okay with everything you do, your God is really you. I mean, that's, that's where we're at today, folks. You know, well, well, God's okay with that because God wants me to be happy. There's a lot of words that just came to my mind that I shouldn't say from the pulpit. It's bunk. It's hogwash. Yeah, that's a good one. Listen, I said this like, like Wednesday night. Does God love us? Yeah. Does, does God want us to be happy? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, God ain't concerned with your happiness. He's concerned with your holiness. And when you live a holy life, you'll live a happy life. We're happy as a believer when we walk in holiness. He's not going to change his mind about sins and different things in our life because we're not happy. He's not going to say, oh, well, yeah, I get it. I know what I said in my word, but you're right. Your situation is so unique. It's just so bad. You know what? It's okay. Why don't you go do that sin? Why don't you do what you want to do? And I'll be okay with that. That's not how God works. But that's how we want God to work. We want God to be like we are, except we can be much more harsh than God ever was. God's loving and caring and just, and we're unjust. Because our situation usually revolves around us. Amen. You know, we, we're really hard on somebody else and really easy on me. That's my God. He thinks your sin that I don't like is really, really bad. But mine is not so bad. You know, God understands. Okay, you get you with me? That's just what we do. But here's the rub, folks. Uh, you know, we talk about this from the, the world standpoint, and that is the world today. They're looking in the mirror going, oh, my God, it's so amazing. <laughs> That's, that really is where the world is. But the, the problem is this. We born-again Christians do the same thing as well. We do the very same thing. We, we're often guilty of believing God is altogether like we are. This is why we too often ask God the question, why? I, I think that's a terrible question. Uh, Raymond and I have talked about this. I know Raymond's taught about this uh, in his class. That, that, asking God why is a terrible question. Why don't we ask, you, ask him what? Lord, what do you want to teach me right here? Lord, what do I need to learn? Um, those kind of things. Instead of, why? Why does this happen to me? God, there's a whole lot of other people you could have done this to, and they don't love you like I do, so why didn't you do it to them? Why, God? Why? And we question God with why. When things don't go like we think they should, or like we planned, or how we wanted them to go, we ask why. We question God because we think he should do the things like we would do things. And so we question him. The problem is that we're looking at the things through our perspective and we project on God what we think, what we would do, or what we believe. And too often we fail to see things the right way, and that's from God's perspective. Okay, So I want to share a picture with you here. This, i got two pictures. The first picture 
I'll just preface it with this. This picture is an actual photograph. It has not been altered. It is not photoshopped. Hasn't been a, a, nothing has been done to that picture. But you look at that and your mind goes, there's no way that's real. That's real. And you see this boulder is floating there. Now, show the next slide. Now you see it, right? Because we see it from the right perspective. Folks, we're looking at things a lot of times exactly like that first picture, upside down. And we see it from our perspective. We view everything from our perspective. We do a whole lot of the me, me, me's. And it's all about me. It's all about what God's going to do for me and what he's going to do for me. And, you know, I'm the, I'm the star of the book. If we made this into a movie, it would be all about me. Because this is my story. Folks, this is not my story. This is his story. And it's all about him. And we have to see it from his perspective. And uh, so over the next several weeks, this is what we're going to look at. I'm going to go through this series when God asks us why. So let's get started. So when we begin this morning, we're going to look at the story of when Jesus is calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And so I'm going to read right here just some so the passages from, from the Gospels here that tell the same story. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. Now when I say a boat here, I'm talking about a boat. We're not talking about a cruise ship we're not talking about, you know, going on Royal Caribbean here. We're not even talking about some of the bigger boats we see on the river. We're talking about a small little fishing boat that these 12 disciples and the Lord got on. And about that size there, that's a, that's a picture of the boat, the Jesus boat. They found this when the Sea of Galilee had, had kind of gone down and some fishermen found this boat. And they, they took, man, painstakingly took it out. And it's been dated to right there around the time of Christ. This is actually over there. I've seen it in person. It's not a big boat. If 12 men, 13 men are in that boat. It's a tight fit in there. That's what they're on. They're on this kind of a boat on the Sea of Galilee. The next picture actually shows you one of these boats. So you can see you put 12 men in there. I don't know. Maybe their boat was a little bigger. Maybe. But we're not talking about a huge ship. We're talking about a little boat on this Sea of Galilee. It's five miles wide and 12 miles long. And when the wind gets to blowing and the storms rage there, it gets really violent on that sea. It kind of sits in a bowl. So when the wind comes in, it's, a, it's amazing how rough and, and bad the storms are on that sea. So here they are. They're out on the waters. Verse 24 says, and suddenly, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, uh, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? In Mark chapter 4, beginning verse 35, it's recorded this way. On the same day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern. You now, he was in the back of the boat, asleep on a pillow. Now, it was probably a my pillow. And, um, and, and I, you know, I don't know about you. I love my, my, my pillow, okay? 
I love mine. So that's probably what it was. So Mike Lindell, if you're watching, you could send me some free ones, all right? That's, I'm just getting my plug in, trying to get some, some, some kickback here. But uh, I love my my pillow. So the Lord might have had his own my pillow that he pulled out and fluffed up. And he, but he's back there and he's going to sleep. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we perish? Now, I love the King James translation right here. Now, y'all know, I grew up with the King James. How many of you grew up with the King James Bible? I love the language of the King James Bible. I just love it. But right here, I love the phrase that it says, it says, carest thou not that we perish? Can you just hear it? I mean, you hear the drama in their voice right there. The carest thou not, Lord? You don't care. So, so look, they're, 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 uh, you know, this is where we go. This is where we go when storms rage in our life, right? We go straight to, I'm dying here. Do you not care? Lord, do you not care what's going on? Where are you, Lord? Why are you letting this happen to me? Why, Lord? That's where we go. Verse 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Then we'll turn over to Luke chapter 8. Verse 22, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as he sailed, he fell asleep, and, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water. They were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Again, the drama, the, just the fear that's here. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll just take the next few minutes and Lord, would you speak through me? You, you've prepared this in me, and I pray now you'll use me to, to present your word. Uh, I, I pray folks would not hear me or see me. Lord, they'd hear you this morning. They would see you this morning, and Father, they would listen to what you have for them. God, just guide in this, and Lord, I pray you'll keep me from saying anything outside your will. Lord, if I've written it down and you don't want to say it, I pray you'll just prohibit me from saying it. Lord, anything that uh, is not here that you want, I pray you'll bring it to mind. So, Lord, just, uh, just speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he says in these three passages, the Lord says, Oh, you of little faith. He says, Where is your faith? And he says, How is it that you have no faith? The question is today, where, where are you in this? Where are you in this line of questioning? Are you one of little faith? Are you one where the Lord would question, where is your faith? Or, or are you one of no faith? Where, where are you in this line of question? Mark, verse, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 40 says, But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? And that's the topic that we're going to look at this week, is why are you so fearful? Number one, three things we're going to look at here about about what the Lord says and what we see in this situation about why they should not have been fearful. Number one is this. They had heard his words. They had heard his words. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when Jesus says that we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side, folks. Amen? 
If Jesus says it, that's what's going to happen. He, he didn't give any doubt about their destination. And so we can trust the Lord that, about what he says. And if he said it, bank on it, right? If Jesus said it, that settles it. I heard, I've heard people say, you know, Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, it don't matter whether you believe it or not. <laughs> Jesus said it. That's what settled it, okay? So you're believing it's a good thing. It'd be good if you believe it. But the truth is it don't matter whether you believe it or not. It's true. It's done. So the Lord said, hey, he said, let us cross over to the other side. He didn't give any indication that there was any other plan that we're going to leave here and we're going to the other side. He said it. They should have believed it. Look, too often we believe man's words over God's words. Amen? All right. So there was a past president that said, uh, read my lips. What did he say? No new taxes. Read my lips. George Bush, the first one. The first one, he, he said, read my lips, no new taxes. What did he do? He raised taxes. And he excused it because it was tied in with other stuff, but he raised taxes. You know what? He didn't win a second a term either. So your words matter. Um, but, but people believe that what he said there was true. More recently, a man said this. He said, hey, no masks are needed. They don't work. Then, then he said, yes, 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 you, you need to wear a mask. And then later on, he actually said this. He said, you know, you probably should wear two masks. Okay. There's folks that have said, there's people that we should trust or whatever that say, well, it's only one shot. Just get one shot and that'll be it. I'll take care of it. Nope, 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 sorry. No, it's going to take two shots. You're going to have to have two shots. Wait, wait, wait. Well, what we figured out is you really, now you need a, just one booster. Now I'm waiting on the second. Now they're talking about pills. So I'm just wondering what, how perpetual this is going to become. Um, I'm just stating people say things and we believe what man tells us. We believe man often over what God tells us. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And a commentator that I've read said that that's a fourfold negative statement right there. And so what he says is, I'll never, 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 never leave you. Hmm. When God says, I'll never leave you, that's pretty good, right? When he says, I'll never, 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 never leave you, man, you can bank on that. He said it. He said it. I'll never leave you. Now, do we believe what the Lord has told us clearly in his word? That's the question this morning. They had his word. He said, we're going to the other side. They should have said, it don't matter what happens along the way, we're going to the other side because he said it. Folks, we've got the word of God. Do we believe the word of God? Do we know the word of God? The problem is a lot of times we don't know what the book says. We would say, well, I, I believe the word of God, but we don't know what it says. So we have things that come up in life that there are answers to that are clear direction from the word of God. And we don't know what it says. So we don't have confidence in what he said because we don't know what he said. But we'll listen to what somebody else says. The problem is never with the word of God, but it's with our unwilling hearts to believe what scripture clearly teaches. Amen? When God says it, that's final. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself 
that where I am, there you may be also. So the Lord has given us the promise as a child of God, a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. He has said, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I wasn't going to prepare a place, I'd have let you know that. But I'm telling you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. And, and, and so and if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come again and receive you unto myself. So what has the Lord told us? We know where we're going to be. There's a promise there. So while the storm raged on the sea and they got scared, they shouldn't have been. Because he had promised he was going to get them through the other side. Folks, he has promised us as a child of God, as a believer, he says, I'm coming back for you that where I am, you'll be also. We know where we're going to be. Are there going to be storms in the midst? Absolutely, we know there are. But we don't have to fear because we know where we're going to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. Number one, they heard his words. Number two, they had witnessed his works. If you go back and if you want to turn in Matthew chapter 8, this is where we're going to look at here for the, basically the rest of this. We're going to look at Matthew 8 and some things that went on here. But they witnessed his works. They had heard his words. And they're on the boat, fearful, but he had already said, we're going to the other side, and they're fearful. But they had just witnessed his works, and they've been witnessing his works. But look at what they've just witnessed. The first is this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says they, 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 they watched him heal a leper. Now, when, when, he, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Jesus touched this leper. I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was clean, clean, or cleansed. Um, now, I'm going to just say this. We in this country... And we in this church, not we collectively, not everybody, but some of us in this church, but a whole bunch of people in this country have lost our ever-loving minds about COVID. Oh, amen or oh me? Amen. All right, I didn't know. I didn't know maybe, I was, maybe I'd missed out, misread this. We've, we've lost our minds about COVID. Now, if we look back at this, if you, if you looked at, at leprosy here, leprosy was, and it, and it still is today, it's bad news. It's a bad thing. I don't want to get leprosy. But in that day, it was different. I mean, we know today there's treatments for it and things like that. But in that day, it was different. It was, fear, it was feared to be highly contagious, and there, there was no cure for, for leprosy at that time. It, it, it eats your flesh. If you're not familiar with leprosy, your flesh would turn white, your skin, because your skin is dying. And, and that's what's happening is your skin is dying. And so people would get to where they, they're losing feeling in their feet and their hands or something. They might be walking. They hit a, hit a toe and a toe falls off. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that happened because their, their flesh is just dying. It's eating their flesh away. And so their, their, their fingers, the skin would die, their fingers and their toes and their noses and ears and stuff, their faces would become deformed, their bodies would become deformed because of these things. It was a horrid disease, and they didn't have a cure for it then. So those with leprosy had to proclaim it loudly that they were unclean. If you've ever seen movies, sometimes they'll portray that, and they'll, they'll, somebody, they'll be wrapped up, and they're wrapped up in, in, in around their arms and their hands and their bodies and stuff, and, and they're unclean, unclean. They had to proclaim that because people, they had to give warning to those around them because nobody wanted to get close enough to catch that, that leprosy. And they had to walk on the other side of the street. They had to avoid. It was their responsibility to avoid other people. 
And they truly had to social distance from others. I mean, it wasn't like what we've got today. This was truly, man, if you don't social distance, they might take you out and stone you. I mean, they weren't going to play with this because it was a bad deal. Those who had it became social outcasts. They were shunned. They were forsaken. Yet as bad as this disease was, all Jesus had to do was touch them and speak a word. And he healed them of this disease. Jesus had power over disease, and he still has power over disease today. Amen? Folks, God is over this. The, the Lord is over this. He's more powerful than this. With a word, he can speak a word, and it's done. It's healed. Look, he, he, he's over this today and as well as every aspect of our lives. We shouldn't live foolishly. Brent, was it Brent talking about licking doorknobs? Were you talking about that? And Brent, Brent was going to go out and lick doorknobs trying to get COVID and be, go ahead and be done with it. I, I don't advise that. I, that's kind of like going, you know, the Lord can, I, I can fly if the Lord wants me to. I mean, I'm not going to jump off a three-story building to test him. Um, so I'm not sure about that philosophy, Brent. But, hey, we shouldn't live foolishly, but God is ultimately in control. Amen? I mean, he's in control. And so if not, if he's not in control, somebody help me understand, and I wish they were in here. Is Dennis and Jeannie Best in here? They're not. I know they're next door. I wish they were in here. I should have told them to be in here because I want, I want y'all to see this. But how else do you explain Dennis Best? Jeannie gets, in the early part of July, Jeannie gets COVID. All right? Dennis takes care of her all the way through that process. He doesn't wear a mask. He doesn't social distance. He's caring for her. He's doing everything for her. He's in her face the whole time. He never gets COVID. You want to tell me God's not over this stuff? There is no reason in the world, in fact, with what's going on with Dennis health-wise, I would say Dennis probably should have caught COVID. I mean, his immunity's down, everything. He should have caught COVID. He's, God's in control of that, amen? amen? But I wanted to show this. So I hope y'all can put that on the big screen. Can you over there, Jesse? All right. So um, Dennis and Jeannie, when y'all see them, y'all go out of here and go tell them happy anniversary. I was going to remember their anniversary, and then she got sick, and it got, it got away from us. But their, their 50th anniversary was on uh, July the 9th, and they had a big trip planned. They were going, they were going to kind of, yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. I'm, I was three years old when they got married. That's not, I mean, I, it's not saying y'all are old, but I'm getting old, so I don't, I don't know. 50 years, that's a great, great thing. But they were planning a trip to actually go back and retrace all the trail that they took when they got married. So I'm sure they're going to do that, but it, all that messed that up. But God was in control of that. He protected through that. So they witnessed this. The, the, the disciples saw as he healed a leper. Have, have you seen God, have you seen that? Have you seen God heal a leper? Well, I haven't seen it with my eyes, but I've read about it. I know he did it. They saw it with their own eyes. There was no reason they should have feared. Well, look what's happened. They watched, they watched him as he healed a centurion's servant. Verse 5 through 10 and 13, he says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. 
And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I mean, this man said, Lord, would you come, my servant, he's dying. And the Lord said, I'll come heal him. It's interesting. He said, I'll come heal him. You know what we'd say? Yes, come, Lord, come on, come on. Well, let's go fast so you can get there and touch him. This man said, no. Don't even, you're not even worthy to, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. All you've got to do, Lord, is speak the word. He had faith in the power of, of God. And what faith he had. And verse 13 says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. The disciples saw that. They saw the leper healed. They saw right here where he simply spoke, and the centurion's servant was healed. Now, it says that that same hour, they, they investigated, I promise you. There was some checking up on what happened there. And they followed out. And what they found was at the same hour, they knew, well, this is when the guy was here. The centurion was here talking to Jesus. And we find out that that's the very hour that the servant was healed. They saw that. They knew that. But look what else they did. They watched him heal Peter's mother-in-law. Now, some have suggested that maybe Peter wasn't married. But, but I'm going to tell you this. Um, I'm just going to tell you that, that if any man... Any man who, who will get a mother-in-law but not a wife, he's not a very bright man. Okay? So I'm pretty confident that Peter was married. And you don't generally get a mother-in-law, and I'm not going to... If she's watching, God bless her. I love my mother-in-law, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't going to go get a mother-in-law without getting a wife. And uh, so no offense to those of you out there who are a mother-in-law. You're probably a wonderful mother-in-law. But I'm just not going to get a mother-in-law without a wife. So we're sure that Peter was married. And, and so he had a mother-in-law. And they come in, verse 14 says, Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Instantly, they're there. They're, they come in. And, and, you know, I, I'm just, I was thinking this morning, I was, I was reading back through my notes. I thought, how different today we get the sniffle. Now, women don't. Women don't stop. Y'all just keep going. Y'all go and go and go, right? Men. Yeah, I saw a meme that showed a guy, showed a man's body, and he was wrapped up and stuff, and there was a little baby head. And that's how we get when we get sick. You know, we're like, but women, you don't stop. So you got to imagine when they came in, it would have been so much more so that way then. They didn't stop. I mean, it depended. Everything depended on them, everybody doing their part. They come in. Here's the mother-in-law. They're thinking maybe she's going to prepare a meal. And they've had a dish that she prepared before. And she's a good cook, Brent. You just can't imagine. We're going to go over there. We're going over to Peter's house. And Peter's mother-in-law, she cooks. I hope she's cooking that thing. You know, that thing was good. That lamb, the way she does the lamb is amazing. And they go in and she's laying there. And you imagine the disappointment when they walk in. She's laying there sick. She's got a fever. And they're going, oh, man. Man, they don't care that she's sick. They're just going, I don't get, my, I don't get this food today. They're disappointed. You've, been, oh, you've all been there. You know, that's how we are. You know, we go, why, Lord, why did you let her be sick right now? That's what we'd be doing. But the Lord comes in. She's sick, and the Lord simply touches her, and she gets up immediately. The fever goes, and she's restored, and she gets up, and she probably fixed their favorite meal then. And they're like, yes. And so they've seen what the Lord did. They've seen this miracle. So they see a leper healed. They see the centurion servant healed. And they see right here this, that Peter's mother-in-law's healed. But not only that, 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 like that's not enough. Then look what happens is they watch him cast out demons and heal the sick. Look at verse 16. It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. All that they had seen. All that they had seen, all of those things. And now they bring all these people, 
This evening comes and they bring all these people who are demon-possessed and the Lord cast out the demons. The Lord's casting out demons and they bring their sick to him. And what does he do? Oh, okay, you know, heal you, heal you, heal you. It's not like a Benny Hinn thing where it's a show. This was real. People were getting up and walking. People whose legs had never worked got him walk. People who couldn't see were healed. People who couldn't hear could hear. People who couldn't speak could talk. People whose arms didn't work were, I mean, he healed their sick. He cast out the demons and they're witness to all this. All that they saw, why were they afraid? We go, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been, praise God. I would have known. I would have been on that boat when the storm come up and I said, the Lord said we're going to the other side. That's where we're going. And I saw what the Lord did back here. He's all powerful and he can do anything and he does all these miracles. I'm not fearful. No, we'd all be scared to death. And we go, why were they scared? And yet we're the same way today, folks. Why are we scared? We have witnessed these things in our own lives. We've witnessed these miracles. I just told you about Dennis Best. If that's not a miracle of God, I've never seen one. I believe with all my heart that God worked a miracle in that home. And we see these things, but we don't look for them. Brent, I, I so admire what Brent said Wednesday night if you were here. He's talking about a situation with his family. A cousin who got COVID, he passed it to his wife. His wife's pregnant. She got sick then with COVID. And because of that, she ended up having to deliver early, right? That was so uh, premature. But here's the miracle. In it. And Brent, I showed them this because... Because his cousin was, I think, kind of questioning, kind of like, well, why is this happening to us? And wondering, and Brent said, look, you, there's two miracles right here. Number one, if, if she hadn't got COVID, if she hadn't got it, and they hadn't taken the baby early, the baby's umbilical cord was wrapped around his throat. The baby would have died. More than like God worked in that. That's a miracle. But what I admired as Brent was telling that was, the wisdom that Brent had to see that, to be looking for that miracle because God is working miracles in our lives all the time. You got Jesus bumps, ain't you? He's over here going, got them Jesus bumps popping up because all we got to do is look around and see it. Have you seen somebody come to faith in Christ around you? You understand? That's a miracle of God. So when we see these things, we as followers of Christ, we've seen miracles around us. We've seen miracles in our own lives. And the question I have is, why are we afraid? We have his word, what he has told us. We've seen his works. That alone ought to be enough. But look, look at the third thing. They experienced his wonder, his wonder. Matthew, 28, uh, Matthew 8, verse 26, second part of verse 26. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled. They marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you, you, you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Luke chapter 8, verse 25, second part of that. And, then the, and they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he, for he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. You know, it's as if they weren't blown away by the miracles that Jesus had worked in healing people. It really, that's what it's like right here. 
I mean, they're, they're marveling that the man who, the, the God-man who just touched a leper and healed a leper, who, who spoke and the centurion's servant was healed, that went in and touched Peter's mother-in-law and she was healed and healed all these people that came to him and cast out these demons. They've seen all of that. And yet this is what they marvel at. They marvel at this. They're, they're in awe of this as he speaks. They're blown away. They're, they weren't blown away by the miracles he did in people's lives. But yet now they are blown away. It's kind of strange to be. But now they're fearful of and they marvel at the power that he had over nature. And so it says, you know, when marvel, that word marvel, it says they were, they were filled with wonder. They were filled with wonder at what he did. What manner of man is this? I mean, this is now, I, I don't, I don't, I have, I'm telling you, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, that you can see a leper healed and that doesn't blow your mind, but this now does. Now, this would blow my mind too, but I just can't imagine that they didn't, they didn't get there until he speaks to the wind and the waves. But maybe that's what it took for them. Maybe they're like us, a little thick. They should never have feared, amen? And never should we. We shouldn't fear in this life. They, they had heard his words. They had witnessed his works. They had experienced his wonder. They should never have, have been fearful. He was, listen, he was in the boat with them. And we should never fear because he is everywhere with us. Well, he already said he'll never Never, never, never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That means he'll never turn his back on us and he'll never walk away. He is with us. No matter where we are, he is there. He never leaves us. He's everywhere. So if, if he's with them in the boat and we say, well, they shouldn't have been fearful. He was with them in the boat. Folks, we should never be fearful about any situation because I'm going to tell you, whether you're at home at night in the bed or you're at work or you're on I-4, even on I-4, he is there. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. And I'm going to tell you this. If you're on a vent with COVID in the hospital, he's there. Amen. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. Amen? Amen? He's there. He's there with us. And we should not fear. We should never fear. He's everywhere. We have his word, the Bible, and, and this gives us everything we need. He's promised, again, he's promised to never leave us. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of good courage. We need to hear that today. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. And I'll say, or it. It's not the Lord saying that, but I think the principle is here. Not to fear them or it. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Look, we've witnessed his great works and, and we've heard his word and daily we experience his wonder. Why are you so fearful? And there's some verses on the back of your page there. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not. Several, I mean, you, you search fear. There are tons of verses that speak about fear not, do not fear. I picked out a few here. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. That's enough. There didn't have to be anything else to that verse. That's enough right there. Fear not, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. The word means stressed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not. He's with us. Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who or that which. Now, again, I'm adding to this. That's probably sinful, but you understand where I'm coming from. Do not 
Fear those who or that which kill the body but cannot kill the soul. We're not to fear anything in this world. We're to fear God. He says, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The only fear we're to have, folks, is of God. And that is a righteous, holy fear. And we should fear God. And you know what? I've seen a lot of things recently that said this. If we have a proper fear of God, we won't have an improper fear of anything else. But it's when we don't have a proper fear of God that we have an improper fear of everything else. And that's what happens. So I want to share some things. So do not fear those or, or that which. Let's talk about the death rate from COVID. Now, if I took a survey in here, we would probably get a lot of answers that the death rate for COVID right now is just through the roof. It's probably higher than it's been since this started. That would be what we would... And if, and if you're watching mainstream media, you definitely would think that. If you watch the evening news, that's what you would think. The facts of it is... What I saw this week said that, that indicate that, that actually the death rate for COVID is the lowest it's been since March of last year. The death rate. But that's not what mainstream media wants you to think. Because it's clickbait and it's fear mongering. Now, are hospitals full? Absolutely. And I, I want to say this, pray for those who are in the healthcare industry because they're overwhelmed. And the problem's not so much the people are coming in and they're all dying. The problem is they're coming in and they're in the hospital for two, three, four, five, six weeks. They can't get them out. And then they can't dismiss them to somewhere else because of other things that are going on. There's a ton of people sick. But the death rate... If you look at the graphs, it's lower right now than it's been. It's been last December, it was through the roof. It's a whole lot lower right now. It's not been this low since March of a year ago when this first started. That's not what we are told. That's not what we hear in the, in the, in the, from, from media and all of this stuff. Now, we're told that Delta is super contagious. What I'm reading... That's not panning out to be true either. They were saying that initially that, you know, the original variant would, if you, if you got it, you would, on average, you could infect two other people. When this started, they said you could infect nine or ten other people. That's how contagious it was. Basically, you walk in a room, ten people are going to get sick. That number's not panning out to be true either. Okay? So all of the things that I saw are documented stuff given out by local governments. or So... If it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm just telling you, I got this information from actual, I mean, some of this is CDC information. Well, I don't know if I trust that either, but. See, these are, these are things that people who are supposed to be in the know, they don't, they don't tell us all the facts. And there's a whole lot of fear mongering. Look, what's, I've shared this before. What's going on right now isn't about a COVID, and, it, and, it's, and it's not even about our government this is a spiritual warfare, folks. That's right. What is going on right now is spiritual warfare. Amen. They, they, and, and, and listen, I have to be careful. This is on live stream. Our, our president isn't even at home in, upstairs, okay? No. So he ain't got enough smarts to do the things and orchestrate the things that are going on. This all is being worked from behind, from darker forces. And I'm not just talking about a person in that. This is a work of Satan. All of this, the fear. 
worldwide fear. You see, this is a worldwide thing. This is spiritual warfare. And people go, well, do you think that the vaccine is the mark of the beast? I do not think it's the mark of the beast. But I think that it's a, I think it's prepping people. I think this whole idea of getting all of the, the society ready to just take whatever for safety's sake. I, and I'm, I'm going to say it again right here, so I don't want anybody to misinterpret that pastor's bashing the vaccine. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Personally, I'm an anti-this-vaccine, but I don't have a problem with anybody that's taking the vaccine. Every person has to make that choice themselves. Amen. What I tell you to do is research it Read up on it, and you make the best decision for you and for your family. Amen? That's what should happen. This mandating, I mean, they're trying to mandate this stuff. I didn't even know if Jordan was going to be able to finish college because of mandates, vaccine mandates from the schools where she has to go in and, and, and learn. And it looks like she's going to be able to get some exemptions. We're praying that way. But she, she said, Dad, I'm not risking being able to have children later to be a nurse for a few years if that's what so she's made her decision and that and that can change so I'm not pro-vax I'm not anti-vax I'm just telling you you need to make the choice but what I'm talking about is the fear mongering that's going on behind this this is there are lies and folks we have to as believers we've got to see through the lies we've got to see through the, the misinformation and we've got to have wisdom from God to discern those things and not live in fear. Amen. Not going to live in fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, a spirit of fear is a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. It ain't a medical, it ain't a biological, it ain't a political, and it ain't an emotional problem. It's not even a scientific problem. Listen, spirit of fear is a spiritual problem. If you say, well, I'm not really scared. It's this, that, or the other. Okay. You rationalize it how you want to, but you, you know and God knows what's going on there. What Scripture says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. And I'll say this. If you are walking around in fear as a believer, as a child of God, I'm just going to say it like Bob Newhart would say it. Stop it! If anybody's ever seen that episode of New Heart, he just says, stop it. Like, stop it. Just stop it. But I don't know. Stop it. It's just simple. Quit. Give it to God. Call on him. Trust him. Quit living in fear. Quit being driven by fear. Quit making your decisions by fear. Quit letting that guide you. I'm not saying don't be smart. Don't think about what you're doing. But we don't need to sit at home for all of eternity. We need to come back to church. Amen. We need to quit living in fear and get back to church. Now I'll say this, we're killing our children. Not COVID. We are. Statistics that I read. Pull this up. So in 2020... In 2020, 83 children died of strangulation. In 2020, 70 children died of drowning. In 2020, 22 children died of flu pneumonia. In 2020 and 2021, 
15 children have died from COVID. Why the hysteria? I don't want my kid to die. But the numbers don't, don't pan out to the fear that is being generated by this because of lies. We've got to find the truth. In fact, if you look at COVID deaths among children, it's about seventh or eighth down the list, and the, and the rate is like 0.2 when drowning was 2.8. We're killing our children. So, 15 children died from COVID, and yet research is telling us that about 25% of the children today are now beginning to suffer from clinical levels of fear and depression. That's a whole lot worse than COVID. And that's a spiritual problem. We're teaching them to fear and we're imprinting on them fear. When you see children who, who almost go into a panic because they don't have their mask, we have created an irrational fear, folks, for our children. And this is a spiritual problem that we're creating. I'll give you an illustration of this. And this isn't to bash Gina. She's not in here, but um, it's easier when she's not in here. <laughs> I'm kidding. When I, several years ago when I was traveling doing mission work, um, we had two different occasions while I was gone. We had a, a tornado warnings in Georgia. And the sirens are going off. The weather's crazy. And, and so Gina got the two little kids. She's by herself. She kind of freaked out a little bit. She loads them up and runs over. One time they went to the fire department. One time they went over to a friend's house. They had a basement fortified basement that they could get in. So she did that. But what happened was the kids were at a young age at that point. And what I found is later on, they were scared to death of the storm. Jesse, is this true? He's shaking his head. Yes. So you'll know he affirms this. They were scared to death of the storms because it was imprinted on them. Oh, this happens. We should be fearful and we should get, you know, we should be scared right now. So there's thunder, there's lightning, these things. And they were scared. Now I love storms. I love lightning and thunder. All that. I don't want to get hit by it. I don't love it that much, but I love to watch it. So what I did is up in Indiana, and we get a lot of storms up there, is I'd get the kids to go, hey, hey, come here and watch this. This is beautiful. This is amazing. Watch this. And they'd see the lightning. And, be, and what they learned over time is now they love the storms. They're not fearful of the storms. Folks, we are the ones who are teaching these kids fear. We're the ones imprinting this on them. Our schools are, are forcing this on them. And, and, and we don't need to do this with our children. We've got to stop it. Psalm 56.3 says, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in Him. Amen. I'll trust in Him. John 14.27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. God said he gives us peace. Doesn't give us fear. He gives us peace. If we don't have peace, we've rejected the peace that he's offered. That's on us. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength and my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And the answer is no one and no thing. So I'm going to wrap up with this. Don't tell me that you walk by faith and that you trust God. 
Just walk by faith and trust God. Don't talk it. Walk it. Amen. Father, I pray that you'll just bless as we have a time of reflection here in a moment, a time of invitation. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted you as Savior, I pray that you would speak to their heart right now. You'd burden their heart. You'd convict them of their need to be born again. And Father, may that burden on their heart, that squeeze on their heart be so strong, they can't sit in that pew. They'll have to get up and come down here. I'm not going to go to them. I'm not going to embarrass them. Um, Lord, I don't believe that's what you'd have me to do. Lord, when you convict and you, real, and you show us and we realize our need for a Savior, uh, Lord, when it's real, we're going to do all we can to get to you. So I pray this morning, if there's even one in our midst this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, today would be the day that, God, you call them, you convict them, you burden them, and may they step out by faith, come down, and this morning get that dealt with and taken care of. I pray that you'll move on hearts. And Lord, for the, for the others here, for, for us as, as believers, maybe, maybe we have a little fear. Maybe we have a lot of fear. Um, but as the Lord asked the disciples, where's your faith? Why, why do you have such little faith? Why do you have no faith? Lord, maybe, maybe that's us this morning. Maybe our faith has been a little waning. Maybe our, our faith has not been where it needs to be in you. And we've allowed fear to grip us. Lord, you don't want us in fear. You want us to be victorious over this. And I, I just pray this morning, Lord, that, that you'll, you'll just help us to deal with this. Because it is a sin. If we're walking in, in fear, it's a sin. I pray we'd get that right with you this morning and we really would get our eyes back on you and we'd trust you and we'd lean upon you. We'd seek your wisdom and your guidance and your direction for every area and every decision in our life. So Father, I pray that uh, you'll just move. And uh, Lord, if, this, if someone needs to come and pray, this altar's open. Maybe they want to pray right there in their pew. But I pray this morning we'll deal with, with you on what you're dealing with us on. So bless now in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go stand.